Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. This is Shannon Fisher. I am your host tonight. My show is called The Authentic Woman, and my guest tonight has written a book called Chatting or Cheating, How to Detect Infidelity, Rebuild Love, and Affair Proof Your Relationship. She is a leading love and intimacy expert. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist in Los Angeles, California. She's frequently interviewed and quoted on NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, Fox, She's on many daytime talk shows. Uh, She has a private practice, and she really, her book is a how-to guide about the process of discovery, confrontation, confession, and healing from an affair. This is something that people deal with all the time in life, and her book, Chatting or Cheating, is really kind of a handbook on how to heal and how to stop and the reasons why we do what we do. And it is my great honor to introduce Dr. Sherry Myers. Dr. Sherry, welcome to the show. Oh, Shannon, it's so fabulous to be here. Thank you for having me. This is, uh, I'm really excited about this interview. I've uh, known you for quite some time, and I was so excited to read your book, and there's just so much advice in it that is right on, and and there's, there's emotional advice, and there's also extremely pragmatic advice. You know, you talk about trusting your gut, and then you offer really a way to walk through the darkness surrounding infidelity uh, and find your way back to the light again. And so before we get into the details, I just I want to say that I especially love about this book, can you address it without judgment? And I think that that is so important because you can't bring people to the table to heal if they feel they're being judged. So kudos mm-hmm. to you for addressing a subject that is so emotional and touchy without adding any air of judgment at all. I think that's fantastic. You know, I'm I'm so amazed, and thank you, Shannon. I'm just so amazed how easy it is to cheat, even people Mm -hmm. who would never consider themselves cheaters. I think that's what fascinated me. And I hardly, you know, to be a therapist, Really, you can't be a good therapist and be judgmental. And when you are, it's your own shadow, and you've got to look at that. But I definitely wrote this book, Chatting or Cheating, because I know how easy it is, even when people have made commitments and moral commitments and loyal commitments, and I will never, ever cheat, how easy it is. And it just sneaks up on you and surprises you, especially with the Internet, especially with all the ways we now have to reach out and touch other people, which is also a huge blessing, but it can also be a curse. And so what I kind of want to wave the flag, I feel like I'm the Paul Revere of the modern era saying, be careful, be aware. That's right. That's right, because, I mean, it really is a slippery slope. There are so many avenues we have now to uh, carry on an affair and to have an affair start that even seems innocent to begin with. And so you you talk a lot about the slippery slope of emotional sex and that that's kind of how these affairs begin. So kind of if you wouldn't mind describing what emotional sex is and, and why it is so insidious. Emotional sex is basically an affair of the heart, and it can feel romantic, it can feel lustful, it can feel emotional, it can feel chemical, because it's fueled by our brain chemicals, basically that feel like love. And what begins to happen, it could be a friend on Facebook, it could be 
someone at work. It could be someone that you think is just a co-parent in the carpool lane. And suddenly you're thinking about them. And maybe suddenly if it's something that someone you know physically, you might be dressing differently for them. And you don't think you're going to be having an affair with them. You just want to kind of look better because you kind of like them. They make you smile when you see them. And you find yourself more and more irresistibly drawn to that person. And whenever you look at each other, something goes click and feels right. And the connection feels genuine, sometimes even life-sustaining. One has been there. I mean, you know, in situations, I mean, whether you're married or in a relationship or single, I mean, sometimes you meet people and you simply have that connection. It is more than that, Shannon. It's, you know, because we we get triggered and we get activated and actually flirtation feels good. But this is something that starts to sustain. You kind of go to bed at night and you start, you're thinking of that person. And, And once again, you may never meet. This might be someone that you're friends with on Facebook, but you're starting to think about them more and more. And you're starting to share with them more and more. And you're feeling attracted to them more and more. And you're not necessarily telling your significant other about this person. And suddenly you much rather, if we're talking online, you much rather be online than with your significant other. Or your, your thoughts of this other person excite you more than your real partner. And that's when you start getting into the emotional sex zone. Definitely crossing a line. And so even though, you know, once that secrecy starts is, is mm-hmm. when you really start the slippery slope. But when you think, oh, I'm not really acting on this, I'm just having a flirtation and it's nothing important, how do you stop that runaway train once it has started? Uh, unfortunately, along with the secretiveness and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there's, uh, shared, there's shared intimacy, there's secretiveness, and when you start getting a little more exclusive, when you start thinking about that person more and more and daydreaming, when they start becoming your emotional confidant or the one you want to turn to, um, when you find yourself kind of beaming ear to ear whenever you think of that person, you you need to do a wake-up. You need to do a wake-up. And the danger is that's usually when we go into denial. That's usually when right. we go, hey, it's no big deal. Or when people ask you questions, you go, I don't know what you're talking about. And so in some ways, our own worst enemy is our own denial. We don't want to think of ourselves as being the kind of person who would be having an affair. How is it that we ultimately identify that what we're doing is wrong? Essentially, you can start looking at your behavior. So you're checking your messages constantly. You're thinking about this person more and more. You're starting to isolate from your significant other or even your children. This person is who you want to be connecting with. Um, you're, doing, you're putting on your best face to impress this person. Your highs and lows are starting to come from the amount of connection you're having and you're wanting to spend more and more time alone from those you love and spend more and more time together with this object of your attraction, if you will, the person you're having emotional sex with. So if you are rationalizing up the wazoo, they're simply a co-worker, hey, it's just innocent flirting, nothing is happening. And the more you object, the more you know you're hooked. So it's important to look at your own behavior 
And it's hard because your brain chemistry is starting to take over. And the brain chemicals start feeling like love. It's just like new love. You have dopamine. You have oxytocin flowing. You have amphetamines running through your system that give you a rush and a sense of exhilaration and highs like your own family and your own friends can't give you. And that's when you know you're in trouble. And truly, if you pursue this, it's only going to lead you down a path of danger. You say that cyber affairs can kind of become the ultimate fantasy. Um, and is that because we don't necessarily see the, the warts, the, uh, we're filling in the blanks with our ideals, therefore making that person seem just so much more interesting than our everyday partner? And we feel better about ourselves. Mm-hmm. In that moment, we feel brighter and lighter and more charming and deeper and seen like, like our partner can't see us you know, <laughs> and known. And, you know, it's all illusion because they don't know us. They, don't, they, they aren't looking in our eyes. They're not seeing us, you know, in curlers, if anyone ever wears curlers anymore, you know, and without makeup. And, you know, it, it is all an illusion, but it feels so real. Right. And that's the danger of emotional sex. So yeah. sometimes it takes a friend to call us on it. But if you're strong enough and able enough to call yourself on it, you know, there there's going to be a withdrawal. And because your your object of connection is with you all the time, it's your cell phone. And yeah. it's in your pocket, it's in your purse, it's your computer. So nowadays we most of us are on our cell phones all the time we're on our computers a lot so it's even if this is a coworker or someone you actually know in carpool line or wh- however you know this person whether it be online cyber only or in real world usually the connection and the way we keep the connection is through cyber Sending a text, a friendly email, um, a song that I think you'll like. Have you seen this roomy poem? (laughs) Anything to keep the connection. So the antidote is you cannot. You cannot use your cell phone and you cannot use your computer to connect with this person. Kind of going cold turkey just just like cigarettes or... The good news about cigarettes is you know you're smoking. You know, you can't deny it. And nowadays you have to go outside and separate yourself from everyone to do it. Um, Even with overeating, you know, the other kinds of addictions, it's easy to see. This one's a little harder because if it's a Facebook friend, you know, a billion and a half people do Facebook. This is just a friend. I'm not any different than anybody else. But you need to take a deep breath and really take a look at your relationship and start refocusing on your relationship and filling in the blanks there that mm-hmm. is making you, in a way, be drawn to someone else. Well, and that's something you talk about in the, the book as, as well, is you know there are many, many reasons why people turn to infidelity, uh, whether they're realizing that they're cheating or not. Uh, you right. know, and sometimes everyone blames the cheater and has that kind of mentality. But you note that we all have to kind of own up to our own faults and that everybody has made mistakes to bring a relationship uh, to the point where it's vulnerable. So what are some of the things that make a relationship vulnerable? 
The six main relationship problems that lead to infidelity and also to divorce mm-hmm. and minimally to emotional disconnect because even if people don't believe in divorce and they stay together, if these problems are plaguing them, chances are they're not going to be feeling close. If These are the intimacy killers. So one, feeling lonely. If your partner is traveling a lot or you're traveling a lot and either one of you is spending a lot of time alone or you both have separate interests and hobbies and you hang out with your friends um, and the two of you really don't have a lot of time that you connect, truly connect, one or both of you are going to start feeling lonely. And that loneliness drives us to want to fill up because we are social beings. Uh, Mm -hmm. Whether we own it or not, that's in our DNA, our biology and our survival is based on linking socially with others into a tribe, into a group. So we need connection. Our bodies need connection. Our heart needs connection. It's what fulfills us ultimately. And if we're feeling lonely, we're going to be driving for connection elsewhere, looking to connect elsewhere. Um, Another huge problem that I see in relationships is lack of communication. Um, Either poor or very weak communication, especially when problems come up, uh, you end up going on separate benches. You don't know how to talk things through. Things escalate quickly, becomes conflictual. So you rather not say something than get into a fight about it. So you don't feel like you're really heard, that you don't feel necessarily safe mm-hmm. to express yourself. Or you and that might, distance. Yeah. yeah, or you might, but you don't feel your partner really hears you or gets you. Or you, your partner yells at you a lot, you know, or there's a lot of reasons for breakdown of communication, but if there's a lack of communication between you, that is huge in leading to infidelity and certainly emotional disconnect and often divorce. Because usually whatever problems there are, it always stems to a lack of communication. And I think that that's the case even outside of romantic relationships. I mean, in professional relations and friendships, I mean, to be really the key to having a a smooth relationship, a a smooth situation. Is is that right? Oh, being able to talk things through. And hopefully later in the show I can give you a technique that no matter who you're talking to, a boss, friends, your partner, your children, a way to get through an issue with love. Okay, so I'll go over um, briefly the rest of them too, the six. So number three is love and attention deficit. Uh, One of the most common reasons for adultery is lack of love and affection at home. We... For women, we're going to seek emotional connection, and often men will seek it physically. Uh, Number four, boredom, complacency, and emotional distance. Once again, with lack of communication and without really daily exchanging of attention, affection, and appreciation, the relationship's going to starve. 
Yes. Um, sexual disconnects. You know, you're, you you don't feel like it. And we women, there's lots of reasons we don't feel like it. You know, we might be madly in love with our partner, but we're tired and we've been, you know, with the kids all day or our hormones, you know, we're in menopause and we just don't feel like it or there's PMS happening or there's lots of reasons. But if it's a constant and you really don't have much of a sexual connection and on top of that you don't have an affectionate connection there's going to be problems it usually leads to breakdown and divorce and certainly infidelity and last but not least is lack of intimacy lack of into me see Mm, that's a very good way to put it we all need to be or feel like we are known and seen and loved and accepted that's the basis of any healthy relationship. Yeah. If you don't feel that, then if you don't feel safe and accepted and loved in a relationship, then you're constantly going to feel insecure. Right. Exactly. So yeah. lack of intimacy, which I'm saying number six, but it's probably the biggest emotionally, is going to make us, want to seek that love elsewhere or or make our partner seek love elsewhere because often people who buy my book, I mean, they might be the cheaters, but often it's the ones who suspect their partner is cheating. But no matter who's doing the cheating, usually you can look at this list, this list we went over, and there is usually more than one of these things, if not all six things going on. Wow. wow. Cheating doesn't happen out of a vacuum. If you are close, if you are secure, if you're intimate, if you're communicating, if you are so connected, if this is your best friend and the love of your life, no one's going to cheat. Who's going to cheat? No. It doesn't matter. The most beautiful woman can walk across. Your your guy isn't going to be looking at them. It's coming right. from one of these six things. So the antidote, if you are cheating or your partner is cheating, is starting to mend the chasm. Yes, and that's it, it, it's it's a long and and it's a difficult process. And once you realize or suspect that your partner is cheating. Um, what are the main indicators uh, that it is occurring so that you can kind of be, be, I, you have to you know acknowledge the problem before you can fix it so how do you what are the indicators that people should look for you know that this is occurring in their relationship in terms of their partner might be cheating ah, yeah okay so there's some big red flag signs um, often there's a it, it they have to do with appearance change attitude change or a behavior change so a behavior change they're less present eager and interested in you you feel they're withdrawing from their normal activities social plans romantic evenings alone with you now there might be something else going on that's not always a sign that it's cheating but if there's a withdrawal, it's important to start talking about that. You're going to feel it. And if you shove it under the rug and not ask, um, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And if it is because of cheating, 
uh, it's important to jump on it really quickly. Uh, they are evasive and defensive. So when you get near their computer or you ask too many questions about what, what's going on, they're going to turn it on you. My God, why are you so noisy? nosy? What's up with you? You know, why are you so insecure? Get off my back. You know, sunlight. Right. You know, it's like, I've just been asking, or what? I'm just near your computer. Or you walk into the room and they're on the computer and they slap down that laptop. Right. That's, you know, or they're talking on the phone. They go, oh, got to go, got to go. Or they're talking um, in the bathroom and they're talking quietly. Uh, you know, there's a lot of secretiveness going on. They don't want you I near love their cell phone. When the, the one line that you wrote, the huge mega trumpet blaring clues. <laughs> that just absolutely made me laugh out loud because I thought it's true. There really are some that you just, there, there's really nothing else that could possibly be going on other than an affair when someone is behaving this way. Right, and it's subtle. You know what, they, unless they really want to be caught, it's going to be subtle and you might not notice it because if they're on the computer working all the time, and you're not used to going near the computer, or even if you are, you, you feel like they're working, so you, you don't even want to bug them. So it's just starting to become aware. If they're wanting more space time away from you, um, if they're gone more, longer and longer, if suddenly they're not reachable by phone when they used to be, if they're starting to dress differently when leaving the house, caring more about how they look, uh, if there's just inconsistencies between where they say they are or the money they're spending or where where they say they've been, like, oh, I was at a business meeting, and then you find a receipt from a restaurant. These are all huge red flags, but the most important red flag is it feels different to you. Uh-huh. Something feels off. Something feels weird. You don't know what it is, but it's changed. And maybe you're feeling a little more insecure, or maybe you're not feeling as connected, or maybe they're just not looking at you anymore in your eyes like they used to, but there's a change. And right. it's time to kind of wake up a little bit and go, okay, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the trust your gut, our intuitions are never wrong, ever. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, don't you think that? I mean, when you really have a feeling, a strong sense that something is off, it almost mm-hmm. always is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mostly. Now, you say that you shouldn't confront your partner until you have some concrete evidence. Why is that? Because they're going to deny and turn it on you, and they don't want, because it feels good. Whoever's cheating, you know, yes, there's some guilt, and, and, but especially if it's an emotional affair, that just feels good. You're getting, you know, you're not lonely anymore. <laughs> you're feeling connected. You're communicating. There's a lot of love and affection. You know, and in some ways, affairs, and I'm not advocating an affair, but affairs fill us in the gap of what you're missing at home. Right. So the person having the affair doesn't necessarily want to give it up. So if you just go, I have a feeling, I've got this gut intuitive feeling that something's off, they're going to go, what, are you crazy? And they're going to turn it on you. So the more hardcore evidence you can gather, it might be, you know, get their cell phone and check. 
on their contacts, uh-huh. look at their pictures, look at their emails, check out their Facebook profiles, you know, see if there's any fake profiles going on. Uh, look well, at the credit card charges. Careful, because there are some laws. They have to check the laws of what they can and can't do for, for well, you privacy. Can't, well, okay. Yes, it's illegal, and you can't court. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm saying be subtle. Be subtle. Because yeah. you know what? I, your partner isn't going to sue you unless they're real. You know, and it, <laughs> yes, it is, <laughs> especially cell phones. There actually are laws about it. But you know what? <laughs> All right, so be subtle. Be subtle. And I, you never heard me say this, but check out their contacts <laughs> and their pictures right. on their cell phone when they're sleeping, okay? Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, the cheater, uh, advising him or her on how to reveal the truth, uh, whether they're confessing or, or caught red-handed, and why do you think it is so important to come clean about the affair? Unless you do, one, to yourself, and two, really, to your partner, you can't go anywhere because then you're living yeah. a lie. Even if you end the affair, you have a secret. And secretiveness is a block to intimacy. Secretiveness is lack of communication. Secretiveness keeps an emotional distance and keeps you lonely and keeps your partner out of the loop. And rightfully so, there's a lot to be afraid of if you're going to say, oh, I had an affair because, you know, all the poop is going to hit the fan. And that's not a, right. a lovely sight, you know. <laughs> it's very messy, you know. It's very messy. But I have seen so many couples, and I write about that in Chatting or Cheating. Like, there are, if two people are willing, you can build a stronger, healthier relationship post-affair. Better, more truthful, more honest, more trustworthy than before the affair. And once again, I'm not advocating having an affair. I'm mm-hmm. advocating doing the work to affair-proof your relationship so you never have to deal with having an affair. But having an affair isn't the end of the world. It just feels like it in the moment when you first find out. Sure. Absolutely. And you say uh, to the person who has been cheated on, if they're the person doing the confronting, that to try to remain as calm as possible. And and how do you how do you recommend that that someone who's feeling such raw hurt emotion uh, stay calm while addressing this issue when they know they might be you know counterattacked uh, upon the beginning of the discussion? How I believe in the four P's um, before mm-hmm. you confront: proof, have proof, be prepared, mm-hmm. have a plan, and know your purpose. So mm-hmm. have proof. We already talked about that. Have proof positive. And be prepared. Chances are your partner is going to first, line of reaction might be defensiveness or deception or distraction or denial. And so you have to be prepared and not disappointed by that. And have a plan in place so you know what your purpose is, which is to get to the truth. Now, most important is to think conversation not confrontation because the minute you go into confrontation you will not get the truth i guarantee Uh it you will not get the truth so your job if you are doing the confronting is to stay calm be conversational and be very diplomatic 
That's where the calm comes in. Part of your plan and part of your preparation is how am I going to remain calm, cool, and collected. That, out of this whole thing, is the most important part. How do I keep, how can I get through this holding my own hand no matter what my partner does and stay calm, cool, and collected so I can get to the purpose, which is to get to the truth. And I love one of your one of your delivery tips, the uh, the Oreo delivery, um, yeah. to try to to kind of soften something that you're saying that's really difficult. Tell me a little about that. Well, the Oreo cookie is kind of that technique I promised everyone earlier on in the show, because I think it works for everything. It also can be called a gratitude cookie. But if mm-hmm. you start with something, and this is really hard when you're angry, pissed, and you have proof so you know you're not just uh, coming out of nowhere. But the Oreo cookie, basically, because I love chocolate, is positive, then the filling, and then positive. And the positive mm-hmm. is kindness, love, gratitude. Then the filling, which could be a criticism. It could be what you want changed. It could be what you want and then always ending with a positive. So it might go like this. Um, Sweetheart, we've been married for seven years, and we've been through a lot together. And I so love when you surprised me for our anniversary and we went to Hawaii. And I so love how you are with the children. And I, I am truly grateful for the seven years, all the good times we've had. Um, However, there's something that's coming up for me that I really want to talk to you about because um, I've uncovered some things and they're distressing me and I'm hopeful we can sit and talk it out because I want to get through this and I want to get through this to the other end and to the other side and hold your hand for the rest of my life. That was positive, and then yes. you get the... Truthfully, I wouldn't, yeah. like, I wouldn't hit them between the eyes in the very first... Like, I wouldn't go, so, you bastard. I hope I can say that online, but, you know, so, you bastard. I found this, this, and this. That comes next. <laughs> right. First, you have to, like, get their permission, because they don't know yet what's coming. But you're right. getting the permission for the conversation. Um. And you're making it conversational. And you're starting with the positive and you're already telling them um, in a way that the truth isn't going to lead to divorce, rejection, um, or devastation. Now, it could. It could, but you don't have to tell them that right now. So it's starting with the positive. If you're having a super huge conversation, you start with the positive, you talk about what your intention is, wanting the conversation, and then you end with the positive. Then, for Mm -hmm. phase two, yes, of course, dear, what is it? Then you go, "Um, thank you, sweetheart. There's the positive. You know, I really appreciate this time uh, because there's something I want to explore. Um, I discovered something that's very upsetting to me. And then you start putting out the proof. I was cleaning the drawers and I found this picture. And um, I know that that's our neighbor, Sue, and why is it a nude picture? of Sue in your drawer. And you know, and you don't give all your evidence at once. You just give one piece of evidence and then mm-hmm. you keep reinforcing it with a positive. You keep doing the Oreo cookie because that keeps it conversational and then you let them respond. 
And if they hit you with any, like, oh, you know, I have no idea. I wonder if, you know, our son put it in there, you know, playing a joke or blah, blah, blah. Well, I wonder what, you know, so we don't have to have the whole conversation, but that's that's the gist of it. And the Oreo cookie is a core conversational tool that you can use with any conversation, whether it be Mm -hmm. with your boss, whether it be with your children, because you're starting with love and gratitude, you're talking about what the problem is, and then you're ending with love and gratitude. That keeps people off the defensive and keeps it conversational. Most definitely. And, I mean, just just hearing you have that two-way conversation right there, it's the first time I could ever imagine a calm confrontation about an affair and using that technique I can imagine that you can you could continue for quite some time and actually get to a point where you resolve and make decisions about how to move forward and what's going to happen chances are it's not going to happen all in one conversation because emotions do set in and fear does set in so Mm -hmm. but it's going to take you a lot farther than confrontation And it's important to know that it's an ongoing conversation because, truthfully, you can only handle so much truth yourself. And so what I have found with couples I've worked with is there's a certain amount of truth. And then, you know, usually then you want more. When you're ready, then you want to know more. Well, what about this? Or what about when he wasn't around then? And was he cheating then? So then it becomes an ongoing conversation that hopefully if you are the confronter and your partner is the cheater, you know, your your partner also has his work or her work, whatever the case may be, in hand for um, owning it and taking responsibility and recognizing that they have cheated and they don't want to lose you and that they'll do anything to earn back your trust. And so let's say they the, the cheater has decided to end the affair uh, and in, in, in a way that is final, uh, and they're having withdrawal, you know, from the highs and the obsession about the fantasy. How can they end that affair? Is there any way to turn it back to a platonic friendship, or do they have to cut off ties? What is the best way to handle that so that the affair actually ends? To end an affair and to end, especially if it's emotional sex, but actually any kind of affair, physical, emotional, it's important to, you have to think of it like a drug. And right now you're addicted to a drug. And in fact, biochemical research has shown that love chemicals are are twofold in terms of strong. It's almost like new love. It's almost like cocaine. So you're responding to the excitement and you're bonded to this person. So it feels at first like you're going to perish without contact. It really is a major withdrawal. So you do have to take care of yourself. But you're kidding yourself if you think, oh, I can just become friends with this person. You have to break off all involvement immediately. And you have to make it clear to yourself and your affair partner that it's final. So there's no occasional interaction because that's almost like shooting up with your drug. You know, like, mm-hmm. well, if, I, if I'm good for two weeks, then at least we can maybe be Facebook friends or, you know, maybe we can text or or you think about, well, I just want to see how they are because I know I'm, I still care for this person. I just want to check in. No, it's a drug. You have to go through cold turkey withdrawal. You go to work your, every day and see this person. 
that is really rough. When it's a coworker, that's why they say don't mess with I mean, it, the work affairs are probably the hardest because you do have to work together. So you can work on maybe changing your office or if you're working in the same on the same floor, can you move to another floor? But you have to be really clear and kind that there's no contact at work, there's no contact after work. If you have to talk for work-related purposes, that's all you talk about. You have to have really, you don't stop by their desk to chat and you don't make small talk. There's no water cooler conversations anymore. And you have to almost look the other way. And every time you want to go talk to that person, you call your partner instead. It's sure. reconnecting with your partner. You sit down and you, like, you're just feasting and wanting this other, your affair partner. Instead, you send a love text to your, your beloved, your partner. That's great. You're replacing, you're replacing the addiction uh, with your main squeeze. And right. you, you say or, it, that a lot of times it's a good idea to set definitive ground rules about what constitutes cheating in a relationship and that sometimes this can prevent cheating from ever happening if you know from the very beginning, uh, you know, what is and what is not acceptable to your partner. And it, it's got to be a little bit awkward to talk about that before an affair happens when things haven't gone awry yet. So how would you approach that setting of those well, boundaries? Well, I, I, it's funny. I, <laughs> I had that conversation when I was dating. I had that conversation really early on because mm-hmm. I, would, by the second date, said, I just want you to know I don't share. Um, and I said, it's not that I'm a jealous person. It's just, I, for me, I'm very monogamous. And mm-hmm. I like to be with someone who, if we're a couple, is monogamous with me because I don't want to worry about cheating. I don't want to worry. So we talk about it. I go, you know, maybe. Uh, so I think it's easy, no matter what level of relationship you're in, whether you're dating someone, you're in a long-term relationship, or you're married, it's never too late to define what cheating is because I may think that flirting is absolutely fun. I'm a Gemini, and of course I'm flirting, but I'm going home with you, and I'm not sleeping with anyone, where my partner might feel really left out. If he sees me giving a look to a guy or a smile to a guy, that is his smile and his look. So it's really important to define what is cheating, because often we think cheating is just physical sex. But it's not. Sometimes cheating is Why? to tell someone we're single when we're not, when we're in relationship. Or if we're starting to discuss confidential things about our relationship with someone, a member of the opposite sex. Or it might be socializing with a person of the opposite sex without me. So it's real important for us to define, okay, what is cheating to me? the kind of the guidelines, and then talk to our partner about that and find out what it is for them. And then mm-hmm. together, because when, the, when there's no definition out there and we're just assuming, it's not really cheating because there's no definition, you know. You know it could even be a great idea. Well, but- you know. Is it okay for you to be fantasizing about someone else while having sex with me? Now, you know, I... Be careful. You know, you don't want to get too controlling about it. Right. It's more just a discussion. Mm-hmm. 
I have this list in my book that, or online there might be some kind of list about cheating. You can almost like, it's not even you. It's, you know, bringing it to your partner and going, hmm, this is really interesting. I just found this. You know, would right. you, what would you say is cheating on this list? I think it would be a yeah. lot easier than just putting it out and going, oh, I think this is cheating, I think, because I think your partner will feel overwhelmed and controlled. But if you bring it yeah. out just as a point of discussion on, on mm-hmm. a piece of paper that you found somewhere, um, I think that will be an easier discussion to have. You are actually dating another relationship expert, is that right? Yes, Jonathan, as I We're going that? on three I mean, years. Uh, you've got your systems, he's got his systems, and you kind of both know the way to communicate. Does that make it easier for you, or does it make it difficult on some levels? I think Jonathan's the easiest relationship I've ever had. That's great. Yeah, because we're both into the same thing. So, you know, one, we can work together. Two, his passion is my passion, and Mm -hmm. he doesn't feel threatened by my work or if I'm spending hours and hours writing. um, He can now smile about it and not feel threatened because he kind of gets it. So Mm -hmm. being with Jonathan has taught me a lot about true partnership. So I am I'm so grateful for him in my life. He's been a beautiful That's fantastic. You know that whole. you a relationship expert can then learn from the relationship you're having with someone else. That's I, I just think that's fantastic that we're always learning. Uh, you, you know we're we're always growing and learning and the fact that you especially in your personal life uh have have found that sense of peace and happiness. I'm happy for you. That's really wonderful. Mm, thank you. So so once an affair has been established and once the cheater has decided that he or she is no longer going to be cheating, that there really has to be some reconciliation and a lot of healing happening. Um, and so the person who feels betrayed, um, how do they stop obsessing over the cheating and how do they... Um, you know, how do they trust again and go through the grieving process? Well, it's it's all of the above, everything you said. One, it is recognizing that, of course, you're going to have feelings. And, of course, you're both going to be grieving because the one who is betrayed is going through a loss of innocence. I trusted you. I chose you. You chose me. We said we loved each other, and you've betrayed me. And every other time we've been betrayed and haven't healed through it is also going to come up. The cheater is also going through grieving. They've opened up to someone else. They've let someone else in. And often we don't want to give the cheater any kind of like tolerance whatsoever. But they're grieving too. They're grieving too. They're grieving on a couple of fronts. The loss of their affair the relationship they were having, and the loss of you. Even if the two of you are choosing to stay together, it's what was is never going to be again. The innocence of that is gone. I mean, it's yes. Mm-hmm. So how do, they, how, do, how do you rebuild the relationship to make it stronger? You said that after an so affair... The first step can... is to take really, no matter if you are the cheater or the betrayed... Mm-hmm you have to take really good care of yourself because it's like you've been hit by a tidal wave. 
and 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 it's taken away the structure on the land and now you have to rebuild but the first <laughs> the first step is to kind of just stand there scratch your head and go what happened and how did right. we get here because part of that healing process is one you know eat really well take care of yourself and mm-hmm. because the cheater is the one who ostensibly brought this on you know really and rarely does a re- does an affair happen just in an abyss that it's the perfect relationship i know i said this earlier and that suddenly an affair happens so there's some healing that has to be done to the relationship and both of you have to look at what was it that created this tidal wave in our relationship mm-hmm. why did this happen you know, were we feeling lonely? Was there a lack of communication? Were we really attentive and loving to each other? You know, were, was either one of us really feeling bored? Or have we, like, fallen into so many patterns that it just got kind of boring? When we they need really to look, both take mm-hmm. responsibility, not just one. You know, both of you take responsibility and go, this is what happened that led to the affair. It didn't come out of the blue. Both of us, in some ways, closed our eyes to the relationship. For the one who has cheated, you know, first you have to ask yourself, both of you really have to ask yourself, am I willing to do the work to rebuild? Is this Mm -hmm. relationship worth it to heal and rebuild? And if the answer is yes, then it's time to roll up your sleeves and get to work. And as I said, the first step would be looking at the relationship vulnerabilities that led to the affair and taking mm-hmm. responsibility. And then it's learning how to communicate. What were you going to say, the Shannon? Advocate are a term that, uh, that really, I read it and it made me feel nervous. Radical honesty. And I thought, oh, my stars, isn't that a little dangerous? Because we all have thoughts that sometimes we, we think that don't need to be shared with our partner. So, so the radical okay. honesty. How do you get right. there and what is I, I, I'm not talking about that radical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, it's not holding back your truth anymore. It's not tiptoeing. For the betrayed, there's almost like, screw it. I don't have to be this perfect little girl anymore. I'm, I'm assuming that the woman's the betrayed and the guy's the cheater. It's not always that. And actually more and more women are cheating now more than ever, especially emotionally. So it's not that we women are so innocent, guys are the cheaters. But for, you know, just for languaging, forgive me, I'm going to go he and she. So assuming that the woman is the betrayed and the man is the cheater, you know, often we women tiptoe and we don't tell our truth and we don't want to make waves. And the radical honesty is saying your truth. That I'm still hurting. Ouch! Ouch! When I look at you, I can't imagine making love to you again. You know, those things hurt, but if they need to be said, they need to be said. Radical honesty for the cheater is a little different. It's your word is your bond. It's like there is nothing that leaves your lips that you won't take action on and that you won't live by. You cannot Uh lie. You cannot lie. Radical honesty means... I can look at you and in all integrity 
say these words so that when I say I love you, I mean it. When I say I'll be home at 5, I'm going to be home at 5. I don't give a damn if there was a traffic jam. I'm going to leave earlier or I'm going to call you because I never want to create pain and worry again. Missing the person that they were cheating with, that's not something they're going to say to their partner, right? That's something they're just going to kind of keep to themselves. I would err on the side of this is really, I I don't want to tell you this, but I don't want to have secrets. I'm missing her, and I don't want to miss her. And And the only reason I'm telling you this is because I want to connect with you, and this is something that's in the way right now. And there's nothing you even need to do. I just got into trouble by keeping a secret, and I don't want to keep a secret from you. So I'm saying this just to get it out so there's no secret, and I, it's not to even hurt you. And I don't want That's to hurt you. That's hard work. Yeah. yeah. It's still, you're better to err on honesty uh-huh. than secretiveness because secretiveness leads to disconnection. Secretiveness leads to affairs. Secretive Absolutely, needs. and you Secretive. can make something a little bit less of a sting uh, in that radical honesty. Do you advocate for radical honesty prior to there being a chasm in a relationship, like prior to an affair? That's honesty? one thing Jonathan does for me. I feel like I can be who I am. Do I tell him like every ugly thing that goes through my mind? No, <laughs> that's not very productive. But right, right. At the same time, if something's really bothering me, um, I don't have. He, I I feel such a sense of acceptance, and I feel like I'm seen and I know I'm known. And also, I trust my delivery. Like I don't turn it on him. I I so strongly believe in that Oreo cookie. And truthfully, when I don't do it, Jonathan will go, um, Sherry, can you Oreo cookie that, please? <laughs> Now, that is funny. (laughs) Well, you give a lot of communication tips in this book that Mm -hmm. I think can really be applied to any situation, to a professional situation, a personal situation, uh, romantic, family. I I mean, you give some really good tips on ways to communicate and open up uh, and tell people things and express yourself. Um, I I can't recommend this book highly enough to anyone who's Mm -hmm. out there listening. Uh, Chatting or Cheating, Dr. Sherry Myers. It's just such a, like I said, it's a non-judgmental glimpse into that which is possibly the most emotionally devastating situation that that people ever could encounter. And so so how do you get the intimacy back? How How do you get that fire and that passion back once you've, you know, once you've gone through the period of, of opening up and, and trying to close the wound, how do you overcome that lack of intimacy? I'm a big believer in the three A's. I believe that that is the multivitamin of that mm-hmm. every relationship needs, just like your car needs gasoline and your body needs food. Your intimate relationship needs romantic attention and the three A's to keep it hot and thriving and intimate. The three A's are attention, appreciation, and affection. I believe that by giving each other quality attention, which is spending quality time together, communicating, sharing, 
building your friendship and having fun, that every relationship every day needs some quality attention, needs some appreciation, and needs some affection. And it doesn't need to be for long periods of time, but I want to define what I mean by each of the three things. Because for me, I know in my own relationship and any couple I've ever worked with, when they start feeding each other the three A's, the relationship shifts and changes. So attention is basically you're going to feel what you focus on. So if your Uh attention is complaining or looking at what's wrong, guess how you're going to feel? So attention is positive attention. Spending Mm -hmm. positive time together, giving attention to the things you love, the things that create joy for both of you, things that create fun for both of you, or just communicating and sharing who you are because that's what's going to build intimacy. And Mm -hmm. another piece of it is speaking in the language of your partner, in the language of love that they understand. Because sometimes we speak in our own language. Like if your language is words and you keep saying words and your partner's language is action, the words aren't going to necessarily communicate to them. So it's really important to speak in their language of love. And if you don't know what it is, ask your partner. What makes you feel most loved? What makes you feel most loved? And whether it be... For many people, it's physical affection and being held close. For others, it's quality time. Like when you spend time with me, that's where I know you're into me and you care about me because you're spending time with me and not your friends. And for others, it's just like, I love it too, like surprise gifts. It doesn't have to be big, but it's that you stopped and you thought about me and you picked up my favorite chocolate. So find Right, put in an effort, yes. Yes. It, it is, well, because I'm a, my main language is action. So, yes, for me, it's like, you know, <laughs> that you care enough to put in some effort. That's not just words. So it's important to speak not just in your language of love, but your partner's language of love. Secondly, appreciation. Appreciation, saying what you're grateful for, recognizing not only the big things, but the little things that your partner does to sustain the relationship that also makes you feel good. Because a lot of times we take for granted or we think our partner knows already. But what we put our focus on, we're going to feel. So when we're putting our focus on gratitude and being grateful for the small things, guess what? We're going to feel really good. It's a win-win. Our partner feels good and we feel good. Share five things that you are grateful for about each other and the relationship every day. Just as a general prescription, share five things with each other. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it makes all the difference. And what you find, I know when I find, the more grateful I am, the happier I am. And the more grateful I am, the more things I find that I can be grateful for. So look for the silver lining. No matter how you're feeling in your relationship right now, Focus your attention on what works and what is good because that will grow and your relationship Uh, will start feeling better. 
especially in the early stages when it's tough to rebuild. I would imagine that's really, really critical. Very thankful for this about you. And about life. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't only have to be about your relationship. The more you start refocusing your mind and your brain and your energy on the positive, the happier and the better you're going to feel. So it's a win-win. And last but not least, it's affection. A lot of times we think affection is sex or that we have to wait to have sex to have affection. And it's really, it's about keeping in touch. It's about embracing often. It's about eye contact. When you are in the same room, look at each other. Smile at each other. How often do we really smile at home with each other? Positive emotion. Yeah. Well, because a smile feels good. It feels good, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I'm talking about being selfish, you know. Forget your partner for a moment. It's really about retuning yourself to choose, no matter what, to be in well-being. Well-being within your body and your own psyche, well-being in your relationship, and well-being between you and your partnership. So to keep in touch, to embrace often, to kiss, more when you're in the room touch each other when you're next to each other touch each other hold hands more sex is sometimes two things happen couples either tell me sex is better than ever because it's like almost like a new relationship and kind of hot and passionate or for Mm -hmm. others it takes a long time to get back to sex because of trust and because I don't want to open my body up to let you in until I trust you and whatever that timing is for you. You don't have to wait to give affection until you have sex. And if you are having sex, it's not just about sex. It's also about affection. Because affection, even affectionate sex, is what leads to intimacy. These are really great suggestions, and, and, and it's, I think it's a really great recipe for rebuilding something strong. It is. It's at least a start and an easy start to rebuilding, and also to affair-proofing your relationship. If you've never had to deal with an affair, I prescribe the multivitamin of the three A's every day because it is what builds intimacy along with really good conversation and becoming each other's best friend and safe harbor. Dr. Sherry's prescription. I think that is the, the best prescription we could offer the listeners today. And I'm a huge advocate for rediscovering each other day in, day out. Now, after an affair, you kind of are. It's almost like starting from scratch. So the exciting part, and what a lot of couples talk about, is it's kind of exciting because you are seeing each other anew. You're building a new relationship together. Uh, It's finding or doing something new with your partner every day. That keeps it fresh and alive and exciting. And it keeps you from getting complacent or bored to see if we can rebuild. And what I need from you is your support, not your undermining. I, I think if you're clear with your friends, and because all they're trying, all they want to do is protect you and love you, and they don't want you hurt. That's why yeah. they're, but if they're undermining... A beautiful process because you are actually... I can see now where you say that it's a stronger relationship because you're more committed now because you actually are taking the time to go through the process of strengthening the relationship and making it a fair proof 
and just making it a, a solid connection. That is, mm-hmm. that, that's a, a, a beautiful way to end. On the other end of this is what you are building or rebuilding is a safe harbor of friendship because when you survive a storm like this and hold hands through it, you can survive anything. That is great, and I think that's a, I think that's the perfect place to leave this conversation. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show, Dr. Sherry. And um, the, the book is Chatting or Cheating, Dr. Sherry Myers, and on the, uh, on, on the page where you have this broadcast and also the podcast is a link to her website where you can uh, have buy the book. And uh, uh, this is a copyrighted broadcast by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC, Produced by Pam Stack, I am Shannon Fisher, host of The Authentic Woman, and my fantastic guest tonight was Dr. Sherry Meyer. Sherry, thank you so, so much. Thank you, Shannon.